0: To start
1: your day. It is Thursday the 14th of December, it's the Feast of St. John of the Cross. Let's pray the words of Psalm 145, which we'll hear at Mass today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I will extol you, O my God and King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his works. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. Let them make known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. We got a video feed that you can watch either on the Sunrise Morning Show Facebook page or YouTube Live. You can find it directly in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been going through the Old Testament book by book with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. Today, he has the unenviable task about squeezing this entire book called Proverbs, which is full of massive wisdom, into just a few minutes, but uh, he'll be doing that Uh, After the news, Chris McGregor is going to talk about John of the Cross and a selection of his that recently appeared in the Office of Readings. Father Robert Nixon will talk about prudence through the eyes of St. Albert the Great. He has been talking about a work that he translated of St. Albert's, and prudence is something we could all use a lot more of. And then pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast is going to talk about something I think is close to many of our hearts right now, which is keeping your stress levels and your emotional balance in order as you go all over the place through Advent into Christmas. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
0: Good morning. Israel is keeping up its attacks on the Gaza Strip today, despite growing international calls to to reduce civilian deaths in the war against Hamas. UN officials say roughly 90% of the Gaza population has been displaced by the bombing, and about... A million people are facing starvation currently. Health officials in Gaza say more than 18,000 Palestinians have been killed since the conflict started on October 7th. In a statement yesterday, the Palestinian health ministry said that vaccinations for children are dwindling in Gaza and that running out of vaccines will have catastrophic repercussions on the spread of disease. Pope Francis has granted a new interview to a Mexican journalist in which he discussed his desired burial place, upcoming possible journeys, and his health. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells has more.
2: In an interview granted to veteran journalist Valentina Alazraki, Pope Francis said he's feeling better after a bout of bronchitis, but also asked for continued prayer for his health. With his 87th birthday just a few days away, the Pope said it's important to accept the gifts of old age. At the same time, the Pope repeated that he has no plans to retire, although he said he has the example of Pope Benedict, who had the courage and humility to say enough when he could no longer continue as Pope. In his interview on Tuesday, the Holy Father spoke about his very close relationship with his predecessor and said it was a great grace to be able to bid farewell to the Pope Emeritus before the latter's death at the end of 2022. Pope Francis noted that Bendix's funeral was the occasion of changes and simplifications of the liturgical rites for the funeral of pontiffs, and he revealed in the interview that he himself plans to be buried in the papal basilica of St. Mary Major, a testament to his devotion to the Blessed Mother. Finally, the Pope spoke about the possibility of upcoming papal journeys. Although an early December visit to Dubai for COP28 was canceled due to health concerns, the Pope said he desires to take several trips in the coming years. The first, to Belgium, is safe, the Pope said. Well, hoped-for visits to Polynesia and Argentina are pending. We'll see how things go, the Pope added. I'm Christopher Wells.
0: Today is the 11th anniversary of the murders of 20 first graders and six educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. There are no public events planned in the town today to mark the anniversary, but an interfaith remembrance for residents is being held tonight at the Trinity Episcopal Church. Most of the classmates of the Sandy Hook first graders killed that morning in 2012 are now seniors in high school. House Republicans have voted to authorize an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Republicans argued the president benefited from the foreign business dealings of his son, Hunter Biden. The president has always maintained that he had nothing to do with his son's business. An impeachment inquiry is a step toward potential impeachment. It allows the House to hold public hearings and grants subpoena power for information and documents. More than half of Americans earning more than $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. Trey Thomas reports.
3: That's according to a Lending Club report. Many experts point to a phenomenon called lifestyle inflation as one of the culprits. That's when the pattern of spending increases as a person's income increases. Many Americans say their incomes have not been keeping up with rising living costs. I'm Trey Thomas.
0: Whole milk could soon be headed back to school lunchrooms. House lawmakers yesterday overwhelmingly voted for the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act, which would allow the National School Lunch Program to serve whole milk. Whole milk was phased out more than a decade ago as part of a push by then-First Lady Michelle Obama to combat childhood obesity, leaving only low-fat options. The measure now heads to the Senate. And Christmas music from days gone by is dominating the billboard charts once again this week. Not only is Brenda Lee at number one for the second straight week with Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, but all of the top four and six of the top eight are Christmas songs. The likes of Jose Feliciano, Dean Martin, and the Ronettes are all in the top 15. Nat King Cole has two classics in the top 25 with the Christmas Song at number 14 and Deck the Halls at 23. Elvis is also in the mix with Blue Christmas coming in at number 24
1: so i was in the airport a little bit over the weekend
0: and how much christmas music did you it was all
1: christmas music of course but you know if you're in the airport for sorry
0: do you think that grocery stores are like the driver of the billboard charts maybe not because they've they play music that like speaks to me now and I'm, i'm realizing i am the consumer group that
1: you're the target audience.
0: I'm the target audience in the grocery store. Mama of four my, my frazzled. <laughs> but my my music doesn't make the billboard top charts, so maybe they don't count grocery yes. store plays. So
1: you know, I heard uh, I heard lots of Christmas music in and out of airports and, and that sort of thing over the week. But I mm-hmm. feel like it was the same four songs and then a bunch of covers of those same four songs. Mm-hmm. So like I'm surprised. I feel like Mariah there are five hundred covers of Last Christmas by Wham. There have got to be.
0: Oh yeah. And, and I don't understand tons. why that's such a Yeah,
1: that one's a bad one. The other uh I mean Merry Christmas War Is Over by John Lennon. that's is pretty my terrible. Favorite. There's five thousand covers of that. I
0: love Merry Christmas War Is Over. Are you kidding me?
1: And normally I would say that I dislike Lord. a Lennon tune more than I dislike a McCartney tune, but simply oh, having a wonderful. Don't turn Christmas off my
0: microphone. Is- I love that Simply one, too. Simply having a wonderful
1: Simply. Christmas time is a crime against music, Anna Mitchell. No, oh,
0: I love that song. Are you kidding me? Are you Jimmy kidding Charles me?
1: Charles Wesley and Hark the Herald Angels sing any day.
0: Okay. That's where I well, am Well, I mean, I'm into those, too, but... And so I've broken Christmas Annie's
1: Christmas. Beatles love and heart.
4: Ugh, I love the Beatles. I'm so
1: sorry.
0: No matter what their worldview is, I love their music.
1: Worldviews are...
0: They're, uh... They're, a, you know, they're
1: a, what? Are, they're uh, AI generated.
0: <laughs> Today is Thursday, December the 14th. Most importantly, the Feast of St. John of the Cross. Pray for us more on a uh, writing from him coming up with Chris McGregor in just a little bit here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Right now, it's nine past. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We have been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can get a copy for yourself. Study along with us at com slash Old Testament. And we're back this morning with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, one of the contributors to this guide. Good morning, Dr. Morrow.
5: Good morning. How are you?
0: I am doing fine. Excited to get to talk to you again. We're getting a primer On the book of Proverbs today and this the guide tells us is a primer itself on living the good life so can you talk about Proverbs as being the the foundational wisdom book what does that mean
6: well that's a great
5: question I think it's foundational in the sense of when you think of wisdom literature this is really exactly what it's supposed to be a kind of a guide for how to live and this is the same in other non-Israelite, non-biblical traditions, in the sense of you can have wisdom texts that are trying to give you to be a guide for life. So when we think about what's in the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, books like Job, Proverbs, Psalms, they don't all easily fall into that category the way that Proverbs does. But the most the most important part, I think, though, is to understand the way in which Proverbs, in a sense, teaches the law of God. In a way that's accessible to non-israelites in a ways that in a way the gentiles might understand
0: yeah that is so interesting you you have in the guide here kind of a side-by-side comparison in in how uh the law and how particular it was to israel and how universal how 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 proverbs can can sort of universally apply that law
5: that's right yeah i mean I think the big contrast right is the law of moses In some ways, is intended to help separate the people Israel from the rest of the nations, and it's to help teach them to follow God. So they have to be separate and other. And the focus with the Davidic covenant, so David and then Solomon, which is where the majority of the wisdom literature is attributed to, is then universalizes it. It's now the idea is now we need to bring in the nations, we need to bring them in to worship the one God of Israel, and that's key, I think, of Solomon's reign. Um, the temple, when he built it, the largest portion is built with Gentiles in mind. And I think the book of Proverbs is like that. So we know that the nations came to Israel to learn the wisdom of God from Solomon. Mm.
0: And so this book of Proverbs is largely attributed to King Solomon, but apparently he's not the only one who wrote That's some right. of these words of wisdom, right?
5: <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, and there's uh, these there's two obscure... Figures, we're not exactly sure who they are. There's Agur and then Lemuel. And uh, it's not clear. The rabbis argue that Lemuel was probably just another name for Solomon. I don't think so. Hmm. It's possible. But it seems like these were kings of Massa, so either northern Arabia or southern Syria. Uh, it's not exactly sure who who they were. But during the reign of Hezekiah, uh, they were kind of collected together with Solomon's Proverbs. And to, in my opinion, that actually lends to the case of historicity, because a lot of scholars will doubt the authorship and the attribution of these texts, uh, and that's for most texts. But to me, you know, why then attribute this? They don't even attribute all of this that is Solomonic to him himself. If you look at Proverbs 25 to 29, it says that these were compiled from Solomon, but during the reign of Hezekiah. Mm. And then you have these obscure figures, Agur and Lemuel, who probably... Are not even Israelites, and yet the Spirit of God inspires them, and they are collected together in the sacred scriptures. And to me, that attests to its historicity.
0: Yeah, and can you talk about the the I guess the, the the literary types that are found in the Book of Proverbs, and give us a little outline of of how this book is structured?
5: Sure sure thing. So the, uh, I would say the majority of what you're finding here are these kind of proverbial sayings, and that's important because this is not mostly, it's not historical narrative, it's not, uh, but it's, there's these poetic proverbial wise sayings. So you, you basically, you can structure it in different ways. I don't have the text in front of me, but how I would understand is the beginning, I would kind of off the top of my head look at it in kind of uh, uh, seven different kind of sections. So you have two sets of Proverbs of Solomon, so that takes us roughly through chapter, part of chapter 22, so the first 22 Proverbs, if you will, are attributed to Solomon, okay? Then you have these kind of anonymous words of the wise. There's two sets there as well. Um, Those are also typically the tradition attributed to Solomon, but less explicitly, Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's there's more that are attributed to Solomon, but they're from the time of Hezekiah. It actually says that these are com- compiled during Hezekiah's reign, king of Judah. And that that's the last couple, like 25 to 29, roughly. And that's when. And then after that, you have these add-ons from these probably non-Israelite kings, Agur and Lemuel. And that's when ends right Proverbs 30 and Proverbs 31.
0: I love that there's stuff compiled from hezekiah i mean knowing his story and trying yeah. to return to what the kingship was supposed to be it, it seems fitting that they would be compiling the wisdom of solomon in that i way. agree
5: i agree although at the same time if you were making this up you probably would not do that you would yeah. probably just say solomon took his pen out and wrote all this exactly So i think that's uh, helpful
0: Exactly. Now, um, just quickly, because we are uh, running out of time here, but um, you have Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Can you talk about them before we let you go here, Doctor Morrow?
5: Sure. I mean, I think Lady Wisdom is right—the personifi- personification, both of the Holy Spirit and then Our Lady.
7: And mm. I think
5: a lot of times you see wisdom in the Old Testament. There's it's hints at the Holy Spirit, the role of God as Holy Spirit. And then it becomes an of uh of Our Lady. And of course, the opposite, uh, not being faithful, not being docile to the Lord would be folly. Yeah.
0: Well, I wish we had more time because there's so much more that we could talk about with the book of Proverbs. But that's all the more reason to go pick up your own copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament that you can find through Ascension Press. Dr. Morrow, thank you.
5: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: The pleasure was all mine. All right, we are... Back right after this with headlines. It's 16 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show.
1: Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels. Online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available.
4: The Christmas Means Life Campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the Baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiiLifeCenter.org. That's jpiiLifeCenter.org. Because Christmas means life, business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show each weekday morning. Listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
3: The
1: destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines.
0: Israel is keeping up its attacks on the Gaza Strip today despite growing international calls to reduce civilian deaths in the war against Hamas. The Holy See today has released the Pope's message for the January 1st World Day of Peace under the theme Artificial Intelligence and Peace. And Pope Francis just granted an interview to a Mexican journalist in which he revealed he intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major.
1: That's actually not surprising to
0: me. Not at all.
1: Not surprising. This is like his big stop before and after all his major papal trips. Yep,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, if
1: I'm not mistaken, there are other popes buried there.
0: Yeah, but um, I was reading a Catholic news agency story. I don't have it up here on screen. Maybe I can pull it up here quickly. Um, the last pope to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major was, like, buried there in the 1600s, I think. Oh, wow. I think. Hang on. i got to find that.
8: Yeah, that that would be I mean, uh, Most of them have
0: been buried, of course, in the Vatican Basilica. So, at St. Peter's, the last pope to be not buried at St. Peter's, I believe, was Leo XIII, who's buried at St. John Lateran. I really hope I have these facts right. I read the story last night, and I was going to pull it up to... um, See, this is
1: a Brendan Hodge job. He needs to do a statistical analysis on which popes are buried, where... Well, I'll give him that What percentage of popes... What place has the... Well, I mean, obviously, I think St. Peter's would have the highest percentage of popes. But what are the next, like, top three places?
0: Yeah, it's a good call. Well, I'll see what I can find out. Of course, I can't find the story right away on Catholic News Agency, but... Um, it is a fascinating, very thing interesting honor. stuff. Yeah.
1: Where are all the popes buried? Where? That'd be a fun one. That'd be a fun project. We got to get Brendan on that job.
0: Okay. I don't know. I'll I mean, give him that assi- assignment. We're I... not his
1: assignment desk, but
0: oh, sometimes we are. I just okay, tell then. him, like the Advent candle conversation. You I asked him to job. do that research for me. Thanks, Brendan. I know, right?
4: Are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
8: I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. Of all the prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah is thought to have been the very best. Some prophets had their doubts. Remember Jeremiah when he said that he was too young and inexperienced? Elijah even prayed to die because he believed there was nothing more for him to do for God. But Isaiah was quite different. He answered God's call without hesitation. When God said, Who will go to deliver the word of the Lord? Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. For this quick response, the rabbis taught that Isaiah was rewarded with the privilege of repeating the good news in his oracles. For example, halfway through his beautiful book, Isaiah twice says, Comfort, comfort my people, as he prepares the people to return from exile back to their homeland in Palestine. Later on, urging the exiles to leave Babylon, Isaiah says twice, Make your way, make your way out of Babylon. And in that same chapter, Isaiah says, Twice, wake up, wake up, Jerusalem, and put on your finest robes. Isaiah received the gift of a double portion of God's Spirit, just like the prophet Elisha. A good lesson for all of us. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Sheer.
9: Back
0: with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Chris, good morning. Good
10: morning, Anna. I'm enjoying my Mystic Monk coffee, the special Christmas blend in my, my Sunrise coffee cup.
0: That's awesome, especially as we celebrate and talk about a selection from the mystical doctor of the church this week's selection from the Office of Readings for the December 14th feast of St. John of the Cross. What would you like us to know about him?
10: Well, he is an exceptional man. During that time in the 1500s, when other men were sailing in their ships and mapping the world, St. John of the Cross was mapping the interior life. He was showing us how to ascend Mount Carmel, the ascent of Mount Carmel in our prayer. And what you would see in his map is that it actually is a mountain that turns deeply within us, where Christ dwells within us. Wow. And he has led so many of the great saints that we know. Uh, chief among them is a little one, who a little flower who taught us the little way of attaining all the things that St. John of the Cross talks about in this particular uh, office of reading.
0: The little one who took her name from uh, John of the Cross's uh, spiritual daughter, yes?
10: That's right. That's right. When we talk about the little flower, we talk about St. Therese. There's all those Thereses, aren't there? The great Carmelites, but the the mama of them all is Teresa of Avila, his great friend and companion in the reform of the discalced Carmelites, and they uh, have shown us incredible ways to to cleave into the mysteries that await us, especially for those who have been baptized in Christ and know that he is now in us. Yeah.
0: And John of the Cross telling us to dig deeply in Christ in this selection. You know, people probably know him best for the dark night of the soul, But this selection coming from his spiritual canticle, can you tell us about
10: that just quickly? Well, the spiritual canticles were, he's probably considered actually one of the great poets of Western literature, St. John of the Cross. And the spiritual canticle was actually this incredible mystical poem that he wrote. And then he wrote uh, to accompany that, to help people understand it because it was so deep, the, uh, the accompaniment that comes with it. And that's essentially what this is it helps people to understand the mysteries that he's cleaving in that, those great works of art, which are his poems.
0: Oh, okay. So this is an explainer for the spiritual canticle. Is that right?
10: That's, that's correct. Okay. And, got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. And we need that, don't we? I mean, oh there's oftentimes gosh, I read Chesterton I? and I need some help.
0: Oh man. Know, so. I mean, yeah, like, exactly. I totally feel you. I totally feel you. So let's take a look at what he has to say here. Um, you know, we talk about this idea of spiritual training, right? And and mm-hmm. and that's kind of what he's getting at in in this particular selection. But what is the first step to spiritual training? Entering into suffering, he says, the soul that longs for divine wisdom chooses first and in truth to enter the thicket of the cross.
10: Heavy stuff. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it's very intimidating, and of course, we don't want to suffer. We that would not that would be pathologically not a good thing. We don't want to suffer, but if in God's providential will there are moments where we are having to endure suffering, we do that by you know embracing the cross. I you know I brought up a, a, the little flower, Therese, in her the little ways. Suffering is not always the the monumental that suffering that may come into our lives through a you know a serious illness or um, something that is really crushing. And oftentimes it comes in the little things. It's the little, the thousand little pinpricks. It's getting up to take care of the baby in the middle of the night. It's taking care of the parent who is enduring, say something of a dementia or Alzheimer's being there. It's sometimes the, you know, dealing with coworkers who are absolutely awful to deal with. And yet going in there and suffering in that in love. And that, those are the kinds of little things that uh, he will say, you, you, this is the cross, this is where God has placed you on the timeline of history, in this location. This is your moment to be Christ in the world and to endure that suffering that may be transformative, allows him to enter into it and transform maybe the hearts and ultimately the world.
0: I love that idea of the little pinpricks that you say, and and he writes, you know, the soul cannot enter into these treasures nor attain them unless it first crosses into and enters the thicket of suffering, enduring interior and exterior labors, and unless it first receives from God many, very many blessings in the intellectual and in the senses and has undergone long spiritual training. All these are lesser things disposing the soul for the lofty sanctuary of the knowledge of the mysteries of Christ. This is the highest wisdom attainable in this life. You know, oftentimes I think, Chris, we, we expect that, you know, oh, I'm just going to sit here and close my eyes and God's just going to infuse me with the knowledge. And maybe that happens for some people, but it is. It's those little pinpricks and enduring through them and, and suffering them joyfully that brings mm-hmm. us to that that highest wisdom attainable in this life.
10: Yeah, part of that suffering is letting go of our sin, those things that we run to and cleave to because we don't want to suffer. Because we don't want to, it, it, it's the suffering that comes from, I, I, I feel alone, I'm afraid, there's something going on, so I'm going to run to the refrigerator, or I'm going to get on the computer and I'm going to go to a website that is going to give me a momentary uh, amount of pleasure in whatever way that is, but it won't solve the problem that's deeper that I need to go with Christ into to allow him to heal me. You're and so right. that is the, 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 at its essence, those, those little sufferings. And sometimes, Anna, you know this, it's a suffering of waiting, to, to wait on God and, to, and for him to be able to make his moments, all these moments. But if we can endure that and embrace the cross, um, John of the Cross's message gets through to us.
0: You can find DiscerningHearts.com, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Beautiful thoughts from Chris McGregor. Chris, thank you so much.
10: Thank you, Anna. Have a beautiful day.
0: You do the same. Thank you so much. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case involving the most widely used abortion pill. A lawsuit challenges the legality of Mifepristone. Earlier this year, a federal judge in Texas had issued a ruling that suspended the FDA approval. It was later narrowed by the Fifth Circuit and will now be taken up by the High Court. The fighting between Israel and Hamas is raging on in the Gaza Strip. Mark Mayfield reports.
11: This comes after Israel started pumping
0: try that again.
11: This comes after Israel started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the region that's being used by the Palestinian militant group. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Meanwhile, the United Nations General Assembly voted on Tuesday to demand a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza as only 10 countries voted against the resolution, including Israel and the U.S. Israel faces growing international pressure due to its military campaign, with President Biden saying that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has to change. I'm Mark Mayfield.
0: During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. He said, quote, I encourage all parties involved to resume negotiations and call on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. He said, let all hostages who had seen hope in the truce a few days ago be freed immediately so that this great suffering for Israelis and Palestinians might come to an end. He said, please, no to weapons, yes to peace. In his general audience catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father concluded his series on apostolic zeal, From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
12: The Pope began the catechesis by inviting the faithful to reflect on the rite of the Ephata performed during the sacrament of baptism. He recorded that this rite comes from Jesus' miraculous healing of a deaf and dumb man in Galilee. Pope Francis noted that, as recounted by Mark's Gospel, the miracle was accomplished in territories then predominantly inhabited by pagans, not Jews. This, the Pope said, shows us that Jesus is able to open the ears and the mouths of those who can't hear or speak, where deafness and muteness in the Bible signify metaphorically closing to God's call. Pope Francis then drew attention to another indicative sign in that episode. The decisive word, Word Jesus uttered, which in Aramaic means to be opened. That word, he explained, is an invitation addressed not only to the deaf and dumb, but specifically to his disciples of that time and of all times. The Pope went on to note that this should also make us reflect on our attitude as Christians. e al degli A Christian, he said, must be open to the word of God and to serving others. Closed Christians always end up badly because they are not Christians, they are ideologues of closure, he added, recalling that even at the end of the Gospels, Jesus entrusts us with his missionary desire to proclaim Jesus and ask the grace to bring a pastoral and missionary conversion. I am Lisa Zengarini.
0: Pope Francis intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. The Holy Father said so in a new interview this week granted to a Mexican journalist. The Catholic News Agency reports the last pope to have been buried in St. Mary Major was Clement IX, who died in 1669. The last pope to be buried outside St. Peter's Basilica at all was Pope Leo XIII, who was buried in the Basilica of St. John Lateran in 1903. Pope Francis turns 87 on Sunday. The Holy See today has released the Pope's message for the January 1st World Day of Peace under the theme of artificial intelligence and peace. He said in the message, quote, It is my prayer at the start of the new year that the rapid development of forms of artificial intelligence will not increase cases of inequality and injustice all too present in today's world, but will help put an end to wars and conflicts and alleviate many forms of suffering that afflict our human family. May Christian believers, followers of various religions, and men and women of goodwill work together in harmony to embrace the opportunities and confront the challenges posed by the digital revolution.
1: Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew.
0: And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at SunriseMorningShow.com, you support the Monks and the show.
1: If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store.
0: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at son com.
1: That's SunriseMorningShow.com.
4: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers, You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's leah. At SacredHeartRadio.com.
13: The Baltimore Catechism asks, What is the obligation of a godfather and a godmother? The obligation of a godfather and a godmother is to instruct the child in its religious duties if the parents neglect to do so or die. The essence of being a godfather and godmother is that they have a spiritual relationship with the child. They have the obligation and the privilege to help that child prepare to receive the sacraments and ultimately to go to heaven. And so if the parents neglect the child's religious education, or if the parents are for some reason unable to educate the child in the faith, this is where the godfather and the godmother should step forward and say, I'm ready, I'm the witness, and I can now fulfill those baptismal promises made on behalf of the child at baptism. And so godfathers and godmothers, parents of the children to be baptized, I invite you to prepare yourselves to help prepare the child for the sacraments. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
0: It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to The Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell. Coming to you from the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. We're waiting to get Father Robert Nixon on the line here. But want to encourage you to go check out our video feed at sunrisemorningshow.com. Fairly new media channel that you can find and hopefully enjoy. I mean, I'm always interested to see what Matt Swaim is wearing every day. You know, his wardrobe choices. So... If you go to YouTube or you go to Facebook Live and uh, search for The Sunrise Morning Show, you can find it right there. You can also find it in our show notes every day, which is just a wealth of information for you. Um, That's where you can find links to all of our guests. also where you can find our podcast after the fact. Uh, If there's an interview you want to revisit or share with somebody, you can find markers that will indicate where each interview begins. And you just click on that and then click on the timestamp button and then click share and email it off to all of your friends and uh, they can enjoy it as well. So SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Robert Nixon. He's a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia. He's translator of the Tan Resurrection series. The latest one we've been discussing is The Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great. Father, good morning.
14: Good morning, Annie. It's great to be with you.
0: Or I'm sorry. Good evening, Father.
14: <laughs> or is yeah, it good night absolutely. there? What time good is it where you for are? us here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so the virtue that we are discussing today from St. Albert is the virtue of prudence. How does he explain this one?
14: So he talks about prudence as being Um, mindfulness of the glories of the divine nature and an awareness of the wretchedness and limitations of our own mortal condition. Um, So I think this really, basically, to put it in contemporary terms, prudence for St. Albert is being grounded in recognizing just who and what we are, the limitations of our abilities and our capacities and so forth, And at the same time being aware of the infiniteness of the power and glory of God.
0: And how does he discuss how we can distinguish between true and false prudence?
14: So um, there's kind of true prudence and false prudence. So True prudence is to order our thoughts in such a way that they're always directed to God. So he says to ensure that they do not wander from God and what is rightly ordered to God. This means that our attachments and affections should not become ensnared by created things and that our will should not be diverted from what is pleasing to God and that our intentions do not become confused and polluted but are purified and that our judgments and speculations are conducive to what is genuinely good. In other words, that everything we do in our life should be focused towards God, should be with an orientation towards God, and this isn't only our our prayer and worship, but it's our work and our daily life and whatever we do, that we do all of it with a mindfulness of God. He gives, though, a contrast of false prudence, and this is He gives um, people laboring to know the courses of stars, the power of herbs, the property of gemstones, and so forth, for the sake of worldly prestige or profit. And um, those are all kind of medieval things, but I guess have their own modern equivalents, where people try to, to accumulate knowledge and think, well, how can I advance myself? How can I, you know, achieve my own personal promotion in this world in a way which is independent of God.
0: Yeah, as he writes here, there are many who are diligent in investigating vain and pointless matters and making new discoveries, but remain completely blind as to the will of God. Amazing that this—when does he write? He's in, like, what, the 1500s? Is that right, Father?
14: Yes, (laughs) That but is I, 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 unbelievable. Um, well, a little bit earlier than that, wow. actually in the 1300s. But, you know, I think this is so true in contem- in the contemporary world. There are people who have to know about everything that's going on, um, every, every thought, every idea, every action that takes place, but they don't think about where is God in all of this. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we need to be careful about I mean, there's nothing wrong in in remaining up-to-date with what's going on in the world and so forth, but it should never be an end in itself. It always has to be directed towards thinking, what are we here doing? What does God want us to do with our lives?
0: And, you know, this is particularly poignant coming from a man like St. Albert the Great, who certainly labored to know the courses of the stars and the power of herbs and the properties of gemstones and so forth um and yet understood where this knowledge comes from and and to whom it is serving
14: absolutely so he actually wrote on on all of those subjects quite extensively and was recognized as an expert at his time but Um, At the same time, he points out that these things are not an end in themselves. We need to keep our our minds and our, um, our knowledge focused always on God. And if we fulfill the will of God, nothing else matters. And everything else we learn or we know should be directed towards putting into practice what God wills us to do.
0: Yeah, he's got some beautiful, practical advice that he, he quotes St. Bernard on this, saying, Consider carefully your daily actions and conduct. Think about where you have succeeded or made progress and where you have failed or struggled. What are your habits and what are your thoughts and feelings? Are they similar to those of God or unlike him? I was thinking, oh, man, Father, this is this. I don't know how good I am at this.
14: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that, uh, that applies pretty much to every, every person on earth, you know We look at what we do in our own daily lives and, and we realise how many distractions and, and so forth that we become engaged in And this applies also for monks, I mean, we're living a, a devoted religious life But there are still distractions and, and those kind of things which creep in to, to make sure that our primary orientation is always towards God and that mm-hmm. in this focus on God, that's where our true prudence, our true wisdom is to be found.
0: Well, Father, to conclude our conversation today, can you share with us some of Albert's prayer for prudence?
14: Absolutely. So he says, May I know you, O Lord, and may I know myself. May I frequently meditate on those good and bad things which will remain with me after the end of this difficult but short mortal life. May I mindfully distinguish between the things of which you approve and love and those which which displease you. And may I flee whatever tends to separate my soul from you, but cling to whatever brings me into closer union with your blessedness. O Lord, bestow upon all my thoughts and feelings, and upon my will, intentions, judgments, words, and works. Direct all of these rightly, that is to say, towards yourself. For you are the beginning, the center, and the end of all things. And in you, O Lord, rests the sum total of all my happiness. Amen. Amen.
0: We've been talking to Father Robert Nixon, and you can read more about the virtue of prudence, and many others. In fact, there are 42 virtues in this book, The Paradise of the Soul by Saint Albert the Great. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you.
14: Thank you. Annie, and Ian, God bless you and all your listeners this day.
0: Thank you so much, Father. You as well. All right. It's 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast, joins us next.
4: Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com.
13: For 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have followed in the footsteps of their founders and Daniel Comboni. We are an active missionary group sharing our deep faith in God through service to the poorest and most abandoned people around the world satisfying both the physical and spiritual needs of the people in our mission. Please support our mission work with a generous year-end gift today. Thank you for your prayers and kindness. Give today at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org.
1: Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew.
0: And when you purchase it after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show.
1: If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store.
0: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
1: That's sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN Radio is seeking an assistant to the operations
5: manager in overseeing broadcast content in Radio Master Control. This candidate will ensure delivery of our Catholic audio programming while actively monitoring the on air signals of a number of automated and live playout systems. If this is you or someone you know, email a resume and cover letter, including salary requirements, to humanresources at ewtn.com and be a part of Mother Angelica's mission of evangelization.
15: Dr. David Anders here. Where is purgatory in the Bible? Why confess my sins to a priest? Find out more today at 2 p.m. Eastern on Call to Communion. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
1: 12 till here's Anna with headlines.
0: The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case involving the most widely used abortion pill, mifepristone. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis concluded his series on apostolic zeal, and the Holy Father has revealed in a new interview this week that he intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major.
1: News at the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, a licensed counselor with lots of experience in Uh, the private practice world, but also the seminary classroom. Kevin, good
15: morning. Matt, good morning.
1: All right, so this is one that people are going to want to get out a pen and some paper for. (laughs) We're talking today about keeping our emotional balance over the holiday stretch that we're about to go through. And uh, you've got about three stages to discuss with us today. So where are we headed with this?
15: yeah yeah great so the the theme here would be how do i not lose my mind between now and january right so and there's a lot of things that could happen so the the three that i had matt were prepare uh watch the patterns in my family and then try to find some peace and give peace to my family and the other people that i encounter in the next couple weeks so the preparation part i think it's it's always good uh before we, you know, go on a journey to see our family or invite people over or have a big gathering. And we're in this crazy time, especially if we have young kids and we're trying to please everybody just to sit down and take a moment in prayer. And it doesn't have to be long, but maybe we don't do that. I know I don't do that enough is, you know, God, what do you want me to do differently this year during the Christmas season? How can I be constructive, useful how can I add to the occasion so I can let my mind go back to the last couple of holiday seasons and see, well, maybe I didn't do so well, or I was impatient. People got under my skin. And I think one that we could bring to the Lord right away, but because in every family, I don't really believe the thing that every family is dysfunctional, but every family is imperfect. And there's probably one person in our clan uh, that gets under my skin or pushes my button so that would be something I could ask for the grace from our Lord to respond better to that person, to be more of a grown-up, be more mature. So I think that preparation is really a, a key spiritual step. The other one, the second P there, Matt, after preparation would be the patterns in my family. So from family therapy, we we know that uh, people get into fixed little interactions with each other, these feedback loops, and we get into roles and uh, that that can become very dug in. So if we're the oldest child, we're taking care of everybody else. Maybe we're the youngest one or they're a neglected one. We're not the favorite. We are the favorite. Uh, there's there's things that go on over a long period of time. And so we can, you know, watch what those those patterns are and say, maybe this year I can do something different that I do, you know, with grace and some effort, I can break those habits of relationships and make them more constructive. So for for example um you know one constructive way that I could do you know one of our great uh family therapists Murray Bowen used to say one-on-one interactions and dialogue and conversation are important so I can find maybe the oldest person in my family some of the seniors and maybe I've never sat down and just said just tell me some stories about your growing up in the family right so that's can be something we can pass on in the family uh, maybe there's somebody that I don't care for that much, but I could just have a little bit of a conversation. And again, just show some curiosity and interest in their life and not not be hard uh, on the on the flip side of that. Now, this deal about boundaries, I think it's overdone in our culture right now. So I've even heard of other therapists telling, you know, clients that I've seen later <laughs> that maybe that maybe Christmas would be a good time to put it all out on the table just uh you know empty it all out confront uncle jake you know for his bad behavior his drinking. That sounds like
1: the worst his... idea of
15: all time kevin
1: <laughs> well people you know, have depending... done
15: that and i yeah i would really discourage people from doing that and that's uh, i haven't that seen you know good?
1: uncle bob for six years now's the time to tell him everything i think about him yes
15: yeah so so that's really we need discretion we need prudence Uh, We need to talk with somebody. I think that's a good one to talk over with our confessor or a therapist or uh, some kind of spiritual guide to see, you know, what do I do? You know, sometimes the best thing is just leave it alone, but I can have boundaries. Like there may be people in my family that smoke and drink and act crazy. And maybe I decide I'm only going to stay there for a certain period of time, or maybe I'm not going to stay there when I visit. I'm going to go to a hotel. Now, of course, people are going to get mad at me because I'm staying in a hotel rather than with them. But maybe I got to figure out I got to ask God to guide my thinking. What can I handle without leaving the visit being resentful and all torn up inside? Yeah. So again, prayer is really important and the last one, Matt, <clears throat> would be to find some peace. How can I be how can I have some inner peace when the holidays are over? But also, are there people that I need to reconcile with? I think at this time of year there are many of us who have lost people and maybe this is the first holiday season, you know, after their passing. And a lot of times we have regrets that I wish I had one more conversation. And I've had clients who fortunately, you know, thought about that ahead of time and, you know, sat down with dad or mom or a brother with whom they had had some real problems over the years and maybe a cutoff or a break in the relationship. And they were able to reconcile and say some things and forgive and ask for forgiveness before the person was gone so to think about that, life is precious. You know, we don't know if this is going to be the last time we see uh, this person in our family or a friend. And so, uh, you know, what I don't want to—I don't want to have regrets. That's a good way to put it. Is one way to have re- have peace is to reduce the number of regrets as as low as possible. And I'll leave you with this quote, Matt Annie, like that, and that's one of my favorites. Uh, Robert Frost has a great poem. Where you know, and he's talking about imperfect families. So, so the last line of the poem is "Home is where, when you have to go there, they have to take you in." <laughs> right? So, even if they don't like you, generally, you know, the family. I mean, that's not always the case, but most of the time, it is that home is where, when you have to go there, they have to take you in. So, there's gratitude. I think that's the other one to carry an attitude of gratitude into the holidays and say they're imperfect, but I'm imperfect too. And I've got a lot from my family. What are the graces and the blessings that this imperfect family has given me, and how do I need to repay that in some loving action and words?
1: Preparations, patterns, and peace. Three great Ps to keep in mind uh, as you head into these gatherings. I can't help but think too about some of the things that you know, Pope Francis said about the importance of family life. You know, we yeah. self select our circles of only people who are exactly like us all the time, but God put us in uh-huh. our families. Yeah. <laughs> he put us in yeah, families.
15: For uh, some reason, right? There's a purpose reason. there.
1: And we got to yeah. figure out, you know, how to love people who don't think like us yep. 100% of the time. Kevin, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Matt, you too. Have a
15: great day. Bye bye.
1: All right. We got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up on many of these EWTN radio affiliates. And you can find Kevin and all our guests at SunriseMorningShow.com. In the meantime, stay tuned. We're back right after this.
9: It-
12: Arise, it's a new day. Here is
1: It is Thursday, the 14th of December, the Feast of St. John of the Cross. Let's pray through his intercession in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty Father, you endowed John of the Cross with a spirit of self-denial and a love of the cross. By following his example, may we come to the eternal vision of your glory. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We are glad that you are with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We've got uh, a video stream up at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. You can see us on Facebook. You can uh, figure out, I don't know, what Paul Lockman's up to. Anna Mitchell will have news. I'm Matt Swain. We're all here today. We're all in action. But we've got more people than us. Dr. John Bergsman is going to be along to talk about Ephesians and uh, how it shows forth the love between Christ and his church and what St. Paul has to say about that. Rita Heikenfeld from uh, abouteating.com has been coming up with some great ideas for handmade gifts to give. She's going to talk about the Magi and their gifts, but then she's going to talk about some, uh, she's got like a hot fudge in a jar recipe that you can get. I mean, like this is the kind of stuff that we want Rita around for this time of year. Uh, Gary Machuda continues our series on why we can trust the reliability of the gospel accounts, and then Courtney Brown with more ideas about how to instill the principles of theology of the body in elementary school students. So stay with us if you can. Two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. It's a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com.
0: Good morning. Israel is keeping up its attacks on the Gaza Strip today despite growing international calls to reduce civilian deaths in the war against Hamas. UN officials say roughly 90% of the Gaza population has been displaced by relentless bombing and about a million people are facing starvation. Health officials in Gaza say more than 18,000 Palestinians have been killed since the conflict started October 7th. In a statement yesterday, the Palestinian health ministry said vaccinations for children are dwindling in Gaza and that running out of vaccines will have catastrophic repercussions on the spread of diseases. In Washington, the Supreme Court will take up a case involving the most widely used abortion pill. A lawsuit has challenged the legality of mifepristone. Earlier this year, a federal judge in Texas had issued a ruling that suspended the FDA approval. It was later narrowed by the Fifth Circuit, and now the High Court will take up the matter. Pope Francis has Given an interview with to a Mexican journalist about possible upcoming jur- jur- journeys, his desired burial place and his health from Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells has more.
2: In an interview granted to veteran journalist Valentina Alizraki, Pope Francis said he's feeling better after a bout of bronchitis, but also asked for continued prayer for his health. With his 87th birthday just a few days away, the Pope said it's important to accept the gifts of old age. At the same time, the Pope repeated that he has no plans to retire, although he said he has the example of Pope Benedict, who had the courage and humility to say enough when he could no longer continue as Pope. In his interview on Tuesday, the Holy Father spoke about his very close relationship with his predecessor and said it was a great grace to be able to bid farewell to the Pope Emeritus before the latter's death at the end of 2022. Pope Francis noted that Benedict's funeral was the occasion of changes and simplifications of the liturgical rites for the funeral of Pontiffs, and he revealed in the interview that he himself plans to be buried in the Papal Basilica of St. Mary Major, a testament to his devotion to the Blessed Mother. Finally, the Pope spoke about the possibility of upcoming papal journeys. Although an early December visit to Dubai for COP28 was canceled due to health concerns, the Pope said he desires to take several trips in the coming years. The first, to Belgium, is safe, the Pope said. Well, hoped-for visits to Polynesia and Argentina are pending. We'll see how things go, the Pope added. I'm Christopher Wells.
0: Today is the 11th anniversary of the killings of 20 first graders and six educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. There are no public events planned in Newtown today to mark this anniversary, but there is an interfaith remembrance for residents being held tonight at the Trinity Episcopal Church. Most of the classmates of the Sandy Hook first graders killed that morning in 2012 are now seniors in high school. House Republicans have voted to authorize an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Republicans argued the president benefited from the foreign business dealings of his son, Hunter Biden. The president has always maintained that he had nothing to do with his son's business. An impeachment inquiry is a step toward potential impeachment. It allows the House to hold public hearings and grant subpoena power for information and documents. More than half of Americans earning more than $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. Trey Thomas reports. That's
3: according to a Lending Club report. Many experts point to a phenomenon called lifestyle inflation as one of the culprits. That's when the pattern of spending increases as a person's income increases. Many Americans say their incomes have not been keeping up with rising living costs. I'm Trey Thomas.
0: And the NFL has announced they're awarding a 2024 regular season game to Brazil, Brazil and voting to expand the slate of international games from four up to eight games beginning in 2025. The game in Brazil will be played in Sao Paulo at Corinthians Arena, which was used for the 2014 FIFA World Cup and the 2016 Summer Olympics. How cool is that, that there is a Corinthians Arena in a city named after St. Paul? Yeah. I think that's cool.
1: So, I mean, I feel like that. I, I want to write the headlines if they play in Corinth and they all be like, you know, that team was patient. That team was kind. They were not self-serving. Keep going. They kept no record of wrongs.
0: Yeah. So good.
1: That's your, that's your, that's your halftime speech if you're playing Absolutely.
0: in Corinth. If you're playing in Corinthians Arena, most definitely.
1: We need to be patient. Yeah,
0: coach. How old do you think? That, kind. How old do you think That's that right. arena is? I mean I don't can, know. there's nothing there's no That's way That's more that of a question
1: it, for Dr. John Bergsma than it is for me.
0: Dr. Bergsma, do you know how old Corinthians arena is in Brazil? Any idea uh,
16: in Sao Paulo? Yeah. Like, I have no idea. You know, it's I mean, not ancient. It,
0: but it's gotta be kinda old. If you're naming it after the Corinth I'd mean Maybe
1: not. Maybe they're just talking about the column style at it. I don't know. Yeah, Google it. Well,
0: Matt, do some research while we... Maybe I'll we're not some. talking about Corinthians today. We're talking about Ephesians today, so we're Ephesians. on the wrong topic. Where's Ephesians, hope I didn't get arena? You, That's
1: what I want to know.
0: I hope I didn't get Dr. Bergsma off kilter here by talking about Corinthians for
16: a little completely bit. Completely
0: thrown off. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Dr. John Bergsma back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics, from Ave Maria Press. Dr. Berxman, it's good to have you back.
16: Absolutely, Anna.
0: So uh, we are going to be talking about St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians today, and you mentioned in the book that this letter is is more universal, so to speak. Can you explain?
16: Sure. Not all of our ancient copy, copies say to the Ephesians. It hmm. seems like a kind of uh, Pauline uh, encyclical. Mm. Uh, that was sent around to all the churches that he had pastoral care for, uh, for them to read and consider. So it's kind of general, not a whole lot of uh, specific local detail like you get in Corinthians, which has just been mentioned, but um, uh, very general. And, and as that, it is a kind of uh, statement of Christian faith in life that is very generally applicable.
0: All right, so now as it pertains to love basics in Ephesians, tell us about the theme of marriage that we get in this letter.
16: Yes, it really runs through the letter, not restricted just to chapter five, where we get that specific application to husbands and wives, but there is a kind of uh, marriage of Christ with humanity. that runs through the book, um, where God has joined himself to the human race in a body and a temple, and St. Paul mixes those images of temple and body together, uh, and that's all based off of Christ's body, which is the temple. As we think about Gospel of John 2.21, he spoke of the temple of his body. Mm. But then there's also uh, a marriage of Jew and Gentile. And that comes up um, multiple times in Ephesians as well, where the people of God have been united to the nations, the the Gentiles, in one body, which is the Church. And so the Church is a kind of wedding of Jew and Gentile as one people of God. So we see this theme is operating on multiple levels as we move through the book.
0: Sure. Okay. So let's talk about the first level for uh, the rest of our time together today. I'm going to read from his uh, first chapter, uh, verses, let's see, 22 and 23 is what you quote in the book. And it says, And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Unpack that for us.
16: Sure, that's a uh, beautiful statement by St. Paul. Um, Let's think of the implications of that. Um, St. Paul is saying Jesus is head over all things for the sake of His body, which is the Church. And usually, we imagine that we think, "Oh, Jesus is head above all things." So we, you know, so we see like you know the cosmos, and then we see Jesus, you know, King of the Universe, way up there. And then we usually place ourselves way down, you know, in the lower realms of reality. But, you know, look at it again. He says we are his body. So if he is up there reigning over all things, then we are on the throne with him because we're Mm -hmm. his body. And so this is really quite profound, and we can't, like, plumb the depths of it in just a few minutes, but it's point to the reality that, uh, as one spiritual writer put it, as Christians, we fight from victory, not to victory. Uh, We have been given the victory in Christ. We have authority in Christ over uh, the spiritual realms, especially over, you know, evil spirits and over the devil. Okay, we have authority over them in Christ, and we don't need to be pawns of evil. We don't need to, you know, we can't say the devil made me do it. No, the devil did not make you do it, because in Christ you have authority over the devil to drive him out of your life. And so um, let's exercise faith that Christ has given us the victory, and when we claim that by faith and apply it in daily living, we can live a victorious Christian life.
0: Yeah, it's really incredible when you think about his body being up up there, so to speak, as you say, um in the ascension. Like he united humanity with divinity and you go on to talk about Ephesians chapter 4 and in in the where he he discusses the unity in the body of Christ and and talking about how he ascended and then he goes on to say that he hopes that this will build up the body of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. There's a lot of body imagery going on here.
16: There sure is, you know. And, and St. Paul is saying, "Look, every one of us has been given gifts and a unique vocation, and when we lean into what we've been called to do in the church and cooperate with one another, um, you know, the the sum is more than the part." We really do get like, a, you know, forgive the expression, but like a harmonic convergence when, when all of us are living our vocations well and cooperating within the body of the Church. And so a lot of the challenge of being the body of Christ, being, you know, a local congregation, uh, you being a worldwide Church, is, is helping everyone to realize, hey, each one of us has a role to play. Um, it's not just the clergy, it's not like we pay Father you know, to do all the work of the Church. Every one of us has been giving gifts um, for the local congregation as well as the worldwide body of Christ, and when we place those gifts at the disposal of Christ, um, you know, this bodily growth uh, takes place, and, and we see the fruits in virtue and in evangelization.
0: All right. We'll leave it there for now. We've been talking to Dr. John Bergsma. The book is called Love Basics for Catholics. It's from Ave Maria Press, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bergsma, really appreciate it. Thank you.
16: You bet. Talk to you
17: next week.
0: I look forward to it. All right. It's 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this.
8: Support is for MediShare.
17: So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. Metashare is a proven thing too for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing if you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second, but call, you'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside
4: the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah at sacredheartradio.com That's leah at sacredheartradio.com
3: The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio.
13: One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. <laughs>
6: Mother Angelica Live Classics, every morning to Eastern on EWTN Radio.
1: 18 passed. Here's Anna with headlines.
0: The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case involving the abortion pill Mifepristone. Pope Francis has granted an interview to a Mexican journalist and in it revealed he intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. The Holy See today released the Holy Father's message for the World Day of Peace on January 1st under the theme Artificial Intelligence and Peace.
1: All right, news at to the top and bottom, bottom of each hour every weekday morning on the Sunrise bop Morning them. Show. Good bop Christmas them. present. There you go. You
0: remember that from our
1: bop it, or children liberties? days,
0: Possibly. bop it, squeeze so, it. Uh, it, I don't remember what. Crank it. What were all of the things?
1: There was a lot of things.
0: I'm sorry, I'm distracting you. What were you going to talk about, Matt?
1: I was just going to say that the Corinthian Stadium's only around since like the 80s or something.
0: Really? Yeah, that's it's named kind of after incredible.
1: The team that plays there, which is Sport Club Corinthians Paulista, which Paul's
0: Corinthians,
1: Paul's Corinthians Paulist sports club, it's a soccer soccer team.
0: Nice. So, so the uh, soccer team. How old are they?
1: 113 years.
0: Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. I would think I have... a 113 year old soccer team would name themselves after a Saint Paul. But like you probably
1: wouldn't have a team today. Yeah. Like, if the Washington Commanders were still in search of a name, I don't think they'd call themselves the Washington Corinthians.
0: No. No, I don't think so.
1: Although that flows better than I thought it would when I was going into yeah,
0: that. Yeah, the Washington Corinthians.
1: Speaking of sports, because when we say we cover news, weather, sports, and more, this is what we mean by sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people uh, at our Sacred Heart Radio family may have noticed that one of our big signings of the hot stove era— uh, the Reds signed uh, Jamer Candelario, who some people know him from his time uh, with the Nationals or Cubs. So he's, uh, he's an infielder mm-hmm. who's now on the roster. And I actually managed to catch uh, yesterday an interview with him. And uh, he was talking about how excited he was. He you know wants to compete and wants to win. And uh, the person interviewing him asked him about the number three. And he's like, yeah, that was a really significant number for me. Hmm. And how he was talking to his wife and how cool it was. Uh, because when he thinks of three, he thinks of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Nice. I'm like, all right, Jamer, welcome to Cincinnati. We got to yeah, get man. you on the radio, man.
0: Awesome. So, did he Paul make the Lockman, sign of the cross while he did that?
1: I, I was, it was on the radio, so I don't uh, know. Oh, okay. All I know is that Paul Lockman's now, you know, since he does sports on our local hour, he's got to figure out a way to get Jamer. Yeah. Jamer out here.
0: Talk to Gail Finke, Paul.
1: Yeah, come on. Jamer, you're welcome anytime. It's 21 past. The kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning, make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee.
0: They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at Sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
1: Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store.
0: Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at SON show dot com.
1: That's SunriseMorningShow.com.
4: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's
3: Leah, at com. This is Father Rob Jack. Please join with me now in this prayer for priests. God our Father, you entrust your priests with the care of your people. Through their teaching, leading, and sanctifying, they gather your church into one body and strengthen her in her evangelical mission. Bless our priests and bishops, especially those for whom we now pray. Give them the grace to be effective witnesses of your mercy, love, and truth. Bless those priests who suffer from sickness and disease, both in mind and body. Bless our dying priests. May they offer their sufferings for the good of all your people and find healing and consolation in this life, if it be your holy will. Bless those priests who have failed and suffer hardship. Send them your spirit of forgiveness and help them to turn again to you. Lord, deepen our love for our priests. Lord, inspire many young men to answer your call to the priesthood. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And this time of year, we talk about all kinds of great stories from the scriptures and their connections to food to help us really get into Advent and Christmas a little bit better. Rita, good morning.
9: Well, oh, good morning, Matt. And I know this um, topic is pretty familiar to you.
1: I love it. Uh, so, we're talking about the three wise men. Today and uh, of course we celebrate the feast of Epiphany uh, at the uh, well towards the end of the twelve days of Christmas. It's the uh, it's how the twelve days of Christmas end is with Epiphany, mm-hmm. and that is uh, the celebration of the three kings. Right. So uh, when you look at the gifts of the three kings, uh, how do you like to kind of break them
9: down? Well, yeah. Um, first of all, um, in Matthew in chapter two. Um, the gifts were, were stated as gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, and they were given to, to Jesus by the biblical magi uh, from out of the East, quote-unquote. And so everybody wonders, who were they and, and where did they come from? And so they were called wise men. And in me, medieval times, Matt, each of them sort of developed distinct characteristics. And a lot of times they're depec- depicted as representing three races, three ages of adult men, and three different areas of the world. But, you know, there's so many accounts as to who's who. But um, when I researched this, and I've been doing this for quite a while, here's what I've been able to find, and then I want you to, to chime in, too, on one of them. The first was called Mel- Melchior, and according to tradition, he was a king of Persia. He was the oldest of the three, about 60 years old. Um, And he had white hair, you'll see him with a long beard, and he is the one who offered gold to the Lord. And of course, we know gold symbolized royalty, so I think it was a perfect gift for the future king. And to me, he has a very Middle Eastern look. And uh, the second one is yours to describe, because I know you like him very much.
1: Yes, that'd be uh, Caspar, or sometimes you see him referred to as Gaspar, and Mm -hmm. he is a middle-aged guy, around 40 uh usually doesn't have the the big beard uh has a ruddy hue he is the one who offers uh the gift of frankincense and uh you say that he looks indian to you so i i mean i, I was i need to go look at my three kings and see but i i wouldn't be surprised right if that's how the legend has kind of grown up around him but mm-hmm. frankincense you know we use uh you know incense at mass and we know that it's a representation of prayer and of worship and uh you know, really is is indicating that aspect of who Jesus is.
9: Oh yeah, um, it represents life, and and uh, a lot of times it was used to um, anoint newborns, so I think very appropriate. And then the third king was black. He has in my set a really heavy beard, um, and supposedly Matt he was the youngest, about twenty, and he was called Balthazar, and he's depicted as coming from Africa. And he brought myrrh, and they say that the myrrh he brought was obtained around Yemen. And, of course, myrrh symbolized Jesus' future death. And, you know, uh, back then it was an ingredient used in embalming, um, and one of the reasons was just to keep away the the terrible odor that came with that.
1: All right, so probably if you show up to a party and give people gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they'll be grateful (laughs) for the gold (laughs) part of it, not sure what to do with the frankincense, and might not even know what myrrh is. So... Uh, if we're going to be giving a consumable gift, uh, you've been coming up with some great ones so far during the Advent season. This may be the one that I actually try this year. Uh, so tell us what you got.
9: Well, you might want to try it. I have two dessert sauces. Um, neither use corn syrup, which you know is is a base ingredient in a lot of um, wonderful uh, sweet sauces. A lot of mine, anyway. Um, but uh, some people don't like to use corn syrup, so I have two to share, and they'll be on my site. One is a salted maple caramel sauce, which is so trendy. The other is a real simple hot fudgy chocolate sauce, and it has the consistency of, uh, you know, the the store-bought hot fudge, um, really both easy to make. And I'll go over uh, quickly how to make them, and, again, they'll be on my site. The maple caramel sauce, which is, I don't know if this is the one you're going to like, you just put some butter in a pan and cook it till it's melted. Then you pour in some brown sugar, real slow, and you just whisk that till it's all mixed. And it's going to look grainy, Matt, but that's okay. Then you're going to pour in some whipping cream, still whisking, and bring all that to a boil and just cook it till it's a bit thick. And you take that away from uh, the heat, and then you just stir in some maple syrup and vanilla and top it with some coarse uh, salt. And put it in a jar, and it stays in the fridge up to three weeks, and you'll want to warm that up before using. And then the second one's like a hot fudge uh, sauce. Oh, so good. Um, It's just a rip on the classic hot fudge sauce. And basically, real easy, you take some sweetened condensed milk, um, some bittersweet or dark or even semi-sweet chocolate chips or bars chopped, butter, and you put all that in a pan and just cook and melt it Till the, till the chocolate's all smooth and glossy. Then you store in vanilla, and you, again, put that covered in the refrigerator up to three weeks. You want to warm either of those before using. And um, both are really delicious. Easy to give away as jar gifts, microwavable, quick to make. Um, and, it, and, you know, I always say a gift from the hands is a gift from the heart. So which of those two is your fave?
1: I, I don't know. Actually, as you were describing it, the hot fudge sounds awesome uh, just because of all the different ways you can use it. But I can tell you this, that if somebody buys me a sweater and they're guessing at my size and they <laughs> blow a bunch of money on it, I'll say thank you. And I'll be very nice about it.
9: Mm-hmm. And I'll
1: probably wear it a couple of times. But if somebody brings me a jar of homemade hot fudge, they're getting a bear hug
9: from me, <laughs> Rita. Well, heck, I might have to just bring you one now. I'd like a bear hug <laughs> Hand from delivered Hand-delivered.
1: <laughs> no, these are great recipes. We've got them both linked at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. If you've never signed up for the show notes before, this is the reason to do it. Both the hot fudgy chocolate sauce and the uh, salted maple caramel sauce that you can give as gifts in a jar. If you're looking for handmade gifts this Christmas, uh, both find, find both at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, Rita. Have a wonderful day.
9: I will, and I'll talk to you next week, Matt.
1: Half past the hour, here's Anna with news.
0: Good morning. The Supreme Court will take up the case involving the most widely used abortion pill. A lawsuit is challenging the legality of mifepristone. Earlier this year, a federal judge in Texas had issued a ruling that completely suspended FDA approval. It was later narrowed by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. The high court will now take up the case. The fighting between Israel and Hamas is raging on in the Gaza Strip. Mark Mayfield reports.
11: This comes after Israel started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the region that's being used by the Palestinian militant group. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Meanwhile, the United Nations General Assembly voted on Tuesday to demand a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza as only 10 countries voted against the resolution, including Israel and the U.S., Israel faces growing international pressure due to its military campaign, with President Biden saying that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has to change. I'm Mark Mayfield.
0: During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. He said, I encourage all parties involved to resume negotiations and call on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. He said let all hostages who had seen hope in the truce a few days ago be freed immediately so that this great suffering for Israelis and Palestinians might come to an end. He said, please, no to weapons, yes to peace. In his general audience catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father concluded his series on apostolic zeal, from Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
12: The Pope began the catechesis by inviting the faithful to reflect on the rite of the Ephata performed during the sacrament of baptism. He recorded that this rite comes from Jesus' miraculous healing of a deaf and dumb man in Galilee. Pope Francis noted that, as recounted by Mark's Gospel, the miracle was accomplished in territories then predominantly inhabited by pagans, not Jews. This, the Pope said, should shows us that Jesus is able to open the ears and the mouths of those who can't hear or speak, where deafness and muteness in the Bible signify metaphorically closing to God's call. Pope Francis then drew attention to another indicative sign in that episode, the decisive word ephata Jesus uttered, which in Aramaic means to be opened. That word, he explained, is an invitation addressed not only to the deaf and dumb, but specifically to his disciples of that time and of all times. The Pope went on to note that this should also make us reflect on our attitude as Christians. Cristiano dovesse aperto alla parola di Dio e al servizio degli altri. A Christian, he said, must be open to the word of God and to serving others. Closed Christians always end up badly because they are not Christians, they are ideologues of closure, he added, recalling that even at the end of the Gospels, Jesus entrusts us with his missionary desire to proclaim Jesus and ask the grace to bring a pastoral and missionary conversion. I am Lisa Zengarini.
0: Pope Francis intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. The Holy Father said so in an interview this week granted to a Mexican journalist. The Catholic News Agency reports the last pope to have been buried in St. Mary Major was Pope Clement IX, who died in 1669. The last pope to be buried outside St. Peter's Basilica was Pope Leo XIII, who was buried in the Basilica of St. John Lateran in 1903. Pope Francis turns 87 on Sunday. The Holy See today has released the Pope's message for the January 1st World Day of Peace under the theme of artificial intelligence and peace. The Pope said, quote, It is my prayer at the start of the new year that the rapid development of forms of artificial intelligence will not increase cases of inequality and injustice all too present in today's world, but will help put an end to wars and conflicts, and alleviate many forms of suffering that afflict our human family. make Christian believers, he said, followers of various religions and men and women of goodwill work together in harmony to embrace the opportunities and confront the challenges posed by the digital revolution and thus hand on to future generations a world of greater solidarity, justice and peace, end quote. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour.
12: The sunrise sunrise
1: morning morning Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew.
0: And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show.
1: If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store.
0: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
3: That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with The Heart of St. Paul. We do not know much about St. Paul's personal life, but it appears that he must have liked sports. He uses sports analogies in his different writings, including the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9. He writes there, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. St. Paul teaches us that all who have the gift of faith are athletes for Christ. Just as athletes discipline their bodies to run the race, we must discipline our souls and bodies so that we never lose focus of what our true goal is, everlasting life with Christ. St. Paul is the motivator for all of us when we get tired or want to fall out of the race. He knows what it takes because he's already run the race. He knows we need the Holy Spirit. Christians need the spiritual discipline of prayer, the sacraments, and a life of generous service. Christians also need the physical discipline of turning away from sin and living a life of virtue. When the runners win the perishable crown, they usually want to go to Disneyland. As we run for the imperishable crown of holiness, our goal is a lot greater. We want to go to heaven. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul.
1: The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Machuda, and he is author of a book called The Gospel Truth. We've been going through it to help us better understand uh, how reliable the gospel narratives are. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So today we get to talk about consensus and how consensus and the way that it functioned in the rabbi-disciple world and in really the ancient world in general, but especially in Judaism, helps us uh, believe in the reliability of the gospel. So uh, give us kind of a sense of how this idea of consensus works.
7: Yeah, well, um, consensus can be seen in that uh, when you have an original and the original is copied, let's let's talk in terms of manuscripts. Maybe that's easier to imagine. You have a manuscript. uh, Subsequent manuscripts are copied from that. And what you should have as copies are made of copies, uh, you should have a clear majority of them agreeing with the original. So, of course, somebody would make mistakes or so on and that's understandable, but you would you would see a consensus there. So uh, it's not that you're counting noses, so to speak, but that consensus points to uh, a common source, because, you, you know, I, you remind me of one of my favorite quotes in the book. It comes from Tertullian, and Tertullian just basically says, look, let's suppose that the apostles, right after Jesus ascends to heaven, they start getting mixed up, and they start introducing error, and that error proceeds, you know, down through the Church. He says, basically, that error doesn't, you know, chaos doesn't fall into unity, right? It's always unity falls in the chaos. And so if you see a consensus where there's a widespread agreement on something, you could be pretty sure that that actually is, an original you know is it's true to the the uh, thing that's handed on simply because error tends to fall into disunity
1: well and if you're talking about a rabbi crucified as a revolutionary in the 1st century in backwater palestine the incredible thing is not so much i mean it is incredible that it survived 2000 years uh the uh, most incredible thing is, is that it survived his death, <laughs> right? I mean, this is part yeah. of it. Uh, because it, those, right. could, those 12 guys could have gone in 12 different directions, and they didn't.
7: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and, I, and we talked about how there was lots of false messiahs in the first century, and they all have the same pattern of uh, the leader gets killed, executed, the followers disband, and that's the last you hear about them. But you're right. I mean, this continues on. And when we look at the earliest Christian writings outside the Bible, what you find is this constant touchstone of to know whether something is true. We have to look at all the churches and see what they are teaching is true. And if there's a consensus, again, that points back to that's an authentic uh, representation of the original
1: so what's fascinating to me is that uh when you look at a lot of the heresies that spring up in the early church because those are the uh, those are the obstacles to consensus right uh they're not uh well i mean they 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 come from a lot of different places, but most of them are basically where where they're dissenting is they're dissenting on the interpretation of something that is the consensus. <laughs> of of the church, right? So when they're talking about, they think that Jesus is this or that, that's different than, you know, the human, fully human, fully divine Jesus, they're going to argue like he's adopted by God later in life, or something like that. They're still using the same scriptures that people are in a consensus on.
7: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so we can identify innovations, right? Because If you're reading Scripture uh, contrary to how it's it's traditionally read, you are the innovator. So now it's a single person innovates. You're located in a particular geographical area, and you're a distinct minority, right? One against everybody. And so even if you get a band of followers, and that band of followers begins to grow and follow your interpretation, basically you have these three earmarks of innovation, namely that it'll always happen long after the fact, so it won't be traced back to the, to the original. Um, it'll be in a, grow up in a specific geographic location, and it will always be a minority. It'll never be the consensus.
1: What's also fascinating to me, and I wonder if you could talk about this a little bit, is that there is consensus through those first centuries of the Church, but there's not full-on uniformity because there are different sort of yeah. devotional traditions or different ways that people express the same truth. So uh, how do how do different flavors and expressions of the same truth show forth that consensus as well?
7: Yeah, well, you know, in many ways, when you're looking at the early church, we're kind of eavesdropping on conversations. Uh, rarely do you have somebody address something head-on. And so usually uh, you have to kind of read and infer certain things from the writings. Sometimes they're quite explicit, like I said, sometimes they're implicit, but they're always written for different occasions, for different reasons, right? And so uh, you could take a particular doctrine, uh, say the Immaculate Conception, and uh, you can express it in different ways. You could talk about it in terms of original sin, you could talk about it in terms of God's sovereignty, you could talk about it in terms of, uh, you know, prophecy, but ultimately, you know, even though there's different ways of expressing that particular doctrine, um, they they all are saying essentially the same thing, just in different ways. So, you know, that's a really important point. I think people stumble over that when they're looking at the early Church, is they want to see complete uniformity, where they're repeating the same things. And that just doesn't happen in real life, does it?
1: No, I mean, you know, what's fascinating to you, and, and this is important to me, Uh, to understand, uh, because I've been asked about this a few times before uh, by people who don't believe in, say, for instance, the reality of the Eucharist and are trying to figure things out over history, and they're like, well, you know, I read to, you know, I read from St. Ignatius of Antioch, who says, you know, I desire you know, the the communion, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, and for drink I desire his blood, which is love incorruptible. And he says, someone asked me once, like, what at the Council of Trent? They say it's Uh, you know, not that it's the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, but it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity. So what changed? I'm like, nothing changed. The only thing that changed (laughs) is who we were talking to when we were explaining this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what really changed.
7: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's different ways of expressing the same thing, because flesh and blood is the totality of a human person, right, in the ancient lingo. But, you know, when you get to the Council of Trent, after all these various heresies and so on and so forth, you're going to expect that there's going to be more precision in how they express things rather than in ancient times. But, they, but the point is, they're still expressing the same thing. It's just different ways.
1: Yeah, it's a great point and uh, a great section in your book. And you get into how, you know, rabbis and their disciples sort of, you know, held consensus uh, in the midst of, of these questions as well. The book is called The Gospel Truth. Uh, you can find it through Gary's website, Hands-On Apologetics, and wherever fine find Catholic books are sold also through catholic.com. Gary, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. You too, man. And again, through sunrisemorningshow.com, you can also subscribe to the show notes. You can check us out on our live video feed on Facebook and YouTube. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. You can even get Rita Heikenfeld's hot fudge and caramel sauce recipes for handmade gifts this Christmas. We're back after this. It's a quarter till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com.
5: Approved by the
16: USCCB.
1: Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee.
0: They have a number of Christmas blends available. And when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at SunriseMorningShow.com, you earn us a commission.
1: Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store.
0: Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at son com.
1: That's
3: SunriseMorningShow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio.
17: I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a
5: lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or an agenda
14: that people don't want to talk about.
12: The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight,
6: 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television.
15: Dr. David Anders here. Where is purgatory in the Bible? Why confess my sins to a priest? Find out more today at 2 p.m. Eastern on Call to Communion. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's
1: on track, Dr. Anders. Always waiting to bring in the beat. There we are. 12 till here's Anna with headluck.
0: The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case involving the most widely used abortion pill, mifepristone. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis concluded his catechesis series on apostolic zeal. And in a new interview that he granted this week to a Mexican journalist, the Holy Father revealed he intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Courtney Brown. He's executive director of the Rua Woods Institute. And we've been continuing and we will be continuing our series of mini lessons on their K through 12 theology of the body curriculum called Revealed. Courtney, welcome back.
6: Oh thank you. How are you doing this morning?
0: I am doing fine and excited to talk to you about the third grade curriculum. We're going to start diving into it today. What would you say are the the major themes that you focus on for the third graders?
6: So for the third grade we have this juxtaposition between the gift of self and then the, the distortion of the gift which would mm. be the sin. And then uh, later on we go through uh the genesis so the two books we talk through or use is one is mafaro's daughter and then we actually go and in, dive into scripture so with the k-2 to we use two storybooks in three through five we use a storybook and then a deep dive into the scriptures and uh so at the end of this uh the third grade we kind of go deeper into original solitude with them and a. Uh, you know, original unity, um, like that. So we, we get a little deeper into those, you know, a lot of concepts in third grade, for sure. Yeah. So we start out with this juxtaposition of gift of self and then the distortion of the gift.
0: Well, and that is beautifully illustrated and told in this African tale. Those watching the video stream can see me holding up Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, which, as Courtney was saying, is the picture book a Caldecott Award winner that uh, that is used for this. Tell us the story of Mufaro's beautiful daughters.
6: So in this story, we have a king who is beckoning for a queen, you know, uh, a princess, if you will. Um, and it takes place in the two daughters, the dad and the mom get excited and ask them to go on these journeys. Well, the one daughter sneaks out, you know, the one that's going to be the juxtaposition of the distortion of the gift and along the way ignores these people who need help. And then when she approaches the gate of the king, uh, there's like a monster, and she gets real scared and runs back and then tries to warn her other daughter, her excuse me, her sister, about this. And then she, her sister along the way ends up helping a little boy, an older woman. And then when she's confronted at the gate, she, you know, attack, uh, embraces the monster in a certain way of a gift, and it, it happens to be the king you know, in that respect. And then he awards her with the gift of being his bride or whatnot. But the daughter who helps those people along the way, you start to see how, what her actions do and how it leads to the good. And the one that didn't, you start to see how missing the mark with the definition of said, not so much that she didn't just get married, but to the fact that her selfish tendencies led to a, a certain type of destruction, which is right. kind of countercultural to our, common um, storyline that a lot of our, I would say, children's books or things today, that even if you do what you want, it still ends up, even if it could be bad, it mm-hmm. still ends up in your favor. You get bailed a, out
0: somehow, yeah.
6: Yeah, exactly. So, when we, when we try to approach these two aspects with the kids, this idea of it's not just doing good for the sake of you getting a benefit, it's doing something good for the sake of that person. Yes. And the idea of being a gift and seeing the other as a gift is actually recognizing who that child, who that person is, too, and not what you may perceive them to be. Mm. And there is the thing with the, the other daughter was her sole motivation was to whatever riches she'd been received in mm. becoming the king's wife.
0: Well, you know and what else was really interesting? That. Sorry to jump in. I want you oh, to no, reflect on this because this was something that I found so incredibly interesting um, with the, the mean— daughter so their father is not the king the father and the king are are different people in this story but we as christians have the king for our father and this mean right. sister is very careful to not be mean she's very mean to her sister and and is very careful to behave when she knows that the father is watching when he's around, when he's aware of what's going on between the two of them. So she tries to conceal her sinfulness. And and I think that we often do the same thing, right? We try to be good yes. in church. We try to put up good appearances and try to hide the sinfulness. But we are actually made for the good. So doing anything sinful is going to soil that.
6: That's correct. And there's two connections there. It's, it's it's awesome that we found that the first connection is it connects right to the garden where once Adam and Eve sin, they try to hide themselves. Mm-hmm. As if God doesn't know where they are or doesn't understand what has just happened. And we see kind of like that first initial confession. So this idea of hiding when we sin is kind of apropos, right? Like this facade we put up to whom someone we care about or should care about or knows. The other thing, too, that the, the connection we make is this uh, paradigm Paradigmatic shift that we try to get the kids to see that, and one of our activities is actually to look at the meanness of the the daughter who's mean, and change like what what could she have done differently when she approached this person, or when she was with her sister, what could she have done differently, and that's the process of this is where that stuff in terms of growing in virtue, um, and allowing grace to kind of enter into your life is just looking at a that examine right that St. Ignatius calls us to. And just saying, like, going through that and say, where did I fall short? I fell short here. Okay, what do I need to do in order to make this right again? And that's kind of the process of our confession, too, right? Like, this idea that we go in, we recognize our sins, we fall short, we ask for forgiveness, and there's a restitution, if you will. There's a way to repair it in some capacity outside of, you know, obviously God's one of repairs, but our actions of saying, we'll sin no more will do this act of penance so we have an activity for them to like kind of really dig deep into that and what what could you have done differently you know the other thing too is it's easy to like say oh I shouldn't be mean I shouldn't hit my sister or I shouldn't hit my brother but when when you really when you really scale that back I I was thinking about this a lot I I was listening to Scott Hahn on a podcast Scott Hahn says he does this thing called jubilation where he would just at the dinner table and he did this when his boys were young and he just said right now all in the year of jubilee back in the old leviticus they just all sins and all debts were forgiven oh yeah and he just at his dinner table would say we're going to have a day of jubilation where you're allowed to come and tell me all the things where you fell short and there's no consequence of like you know just tell me and he, he talks about that act of grace there because when we think about our faith, this is what it's about. It's that deep entering into a mystery of church, but a mystery of Christ, His love for us and His body. Absolutely. So when we want to help with our kids here, we want them to see that grace is an indwelling of Christ in your life. And that's virtue. Virtue is where Christ takes a home and in your heart. Yeah. And uh, and He lives there and reigns in there as King, just yeah. As said, He's our father, but He's also our King. So.
0: Amen. Well, we'll have to leave it there for now. So much more to talk about. But in the meantime, go check out RuaWoodsInstitute.org and you can check out the revealed K-12 through curriculum. We've been talking to Courtney Brown. Courtney, thank you. You're welcome. All right. And that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his